0: In the US, Paramount Plus has the best value and is taking it to more European countries. Disney Plus's ad tier is here but Roku users can't watch and 4K might not be necessary for the best World Cup experience. Listen on to hear more. This is End Screen Noise. My name is Colin Dixon, founder and chief analyst at End Screen Media. And today is December 14th, 2022. Uh, and this week I'm doing the streaming TV essentials for the last week. All these news stories come directly from the news feeds on End Screen Media. So if you haven't checked them out, come to the End Screen Media website or get loaded up on your phone and click on the news menu item and you will find news on all the areas of streaming. TV that really matter the news feature is driven by Topio Networks who's my partner uh, for the news and the company tells me each week what the top stories are the top stories that people clicked on through Topio in streaming TV and that is what I'm going to use to drive this conversation so we're going to start off talking about PowerMount plus which has been making a lot of progress in the last week and I think you remember in last week's podcast, I mentioned that Paramount Global CEO Bob Backish was actually counselling a more patient approach to direct-to-consumer service profitability. Now, this is not something shared by his peers. Folks like David Zaslav over at Warner Brothers Discovery and Bob Iger at Disney are pushing their D2C services to become profitable as soon as possible. Uh, but Mr. Backish... Isn't it's not that he doesn't want profitability. He does. He just is prepared to take the time that it needs to establish value first, and then assumes that the profitability will come later. And I got to say, I totally agree with him. And if building value is his aim, it's working at least according to UK and analysis firm Ampere Analysis. The company apparently used its survey data to estimate the average price people are paying for top SVOD services. And they use that service data also to figure out how much value users see in those services. So attaching a dollar figure to both of those. And simply put, if a viewer sees more value in a service than they're paying for it, That's a good value. Uh, And obviously a positive number is really good. If you subtract the average amount that they're paying for that service from the average amount they value that service and you get a positive number, then there's positive value. And ranked that way, Paramount Plus comes out on top of top SVOD services in the US market. It has a plus $2.68 difference. Disney Plus is second with $1.43 and Netflix is third with plus 70 cents. Now, I know that you want to know who has the biggest negative value, right? Well, according to Ampere, Prime Video has the biggest negative value at $4.63. i got to tell you, I really don't know how they came up with that value. It's not that you can't impute a value for that service. Certainly, people replying to the survey will be able to attach a value to that service and you can attach a dollar value to that. I just don't know how you come up with how much they pay for it. Most people don't subscribe to Prime Video, they subscribe to Prime. Prime Video is just one of the benefits of the Prime program, so I'm not quite sure how they did that. But perhaps an easier sum to calculate is the service that came second from bottom. And that is HBO Max. It has a negative $2.11 value according to Ampere. Third from bottom is Discovery Plus with a $0.62 value. And I've got to say that this is a real problem for Warner Brothers Discovery because it is planning on releasing a joint service, combining HBO Max and Discovery Plus next year. And with both of them having negative values in Ampere Analysis's survey, well, that's a real problem. They have no headroom really, according to this data, to increase the price. And I'm sure that they would like to do that because Warner Brothers Discovery is carrying an enormous amount of debt, $50 billion by some estimates. So I'm betting that they wanted to increase the price when they combined those two services and uh, the Ampere data suggests they really can't. And uh, one more thing about Paramount Plus, I think another key part of the strategy here for Mr. Backish with this service is to make it a global business. Now, to that end, it launched in Germany, Austria, France and Switzerland last week. And uh, it's really leaning heavily on traditional TV partnerships in the region to really get those services out there. For example... In French-speaking Switzerland, it will be exclusively available through Canal Plus's pay TV service. Uh, And in fact, what's happening here is Paramount Plus is getting added to several of the tiers of the Canal Plus pay TV service. So I'm sure that they're partnering with other pay TV providers in the region as well in the other countries to get people to take Paramount Plus as quickly as possible. In other news, well, Disney Plus has finally launched its ad-supported tier. It launched here in the US last Thursday. And apparently it is off to a really good start, at least from an advertiser's perspective. The company claims it has a 100-plus advertisers from leading agencies, including Densu, Havas, Horizon, IPG, RPA, Stagwell, and WPP. And... It has ads from a dozen different categories including retail, apparel, autos, financial services, restaurants, technology, telecom, consumer package, goods and travel and with so many different categories represented that hopefully means that they have a bunch of creatives, a bunch of ads to pick from and that the service won't be dogged by the ad repeat problem that has impacted so much of the advertising supported streaming industry. There is one quite negative thing about the ad supported tier launch, and that is if you are watching with ads, you will not be able to watch on Roku. Apparently the two companies are still haggling over ad splits. Roku wants a cut of the ads, That Disney Plus is placing in its service and they haven't come to an agreement on what that cut should be. This is a real problem because when Disney introduced the ad tier it didn't cut prices like other SVOD services has done. It actually switched the lowest price $7.99 ad free tier to be with ads. Now when it introduced the the service here in the US people were automatically switched to the more expensive ad-free plan and those who wanted to stay at $7.99 had to go back and change but when they did they would have found that they can't watch on Roku and this apparently has a lot of users who use Roku fuming because when they went to downgrade they suddenly found that they couldn't watch their service anymore. Uh, so that's a really unfortunate offshoot of Disney's uh, Disney going it alone and not introducing the ad tier at a cut price. And I have to say that ad-supported SVOD, it, this is going to be an enormous trend in 2023. Uh, we're going to see a lot more services, SVOD services that don't have ad tiers launched them. And the news, at least in the Nordics, is pretty good. If they do, Media Vision found that in the Nordic region, a cheaper ad-supported SVOD tier, if all of the services, all of the major services introduced one, it could attract nearly 20% more subscribers and that 25% of existing subscribers would switch from a more expensive plan to the ad-supported tiers. And generally, uh, at least here in the US, most providers are happy for them to do it because they're very confident they can make up the difference in cost between ad-free viewing and ad-supported viewing. with the with the ad revenue that they will generate and looking at Hulu's numbers that definitely seems to seems to be the case there and uh, Australians will also soon be able to opt for an ad supported tier on Foxtel's binge SVOD services so this as I say this is going to be a big trend in 2023 so watch for a lot more SVOD services to launch ad supported tiers Now, I'm sure a lot of you out there have been really enjoying the World Cup. I know I've been glued to the coverage uh, and I've watched pretty much exclusively on stream services. So I've been evaluating the quality of the streaming experience that I've been having. And I've been working with a company called SimWave. Um, who I'm partnering with on this now simwave provides a visual score that rates the video quality a viewer would experience on a scale from 0 to 100 with 100 being perfect and 0 being well terrible you, you can't see anything on that scale according to simwave most most viewers would find video with a score of 85 good and with a score of 30 pretty bad Uh, Well, combined with my viewing experience across multiple services, it's clear that all services are not created equal. Um, I found YouTube TV's quality to be pretty good and Sling TV, I'm afraid to say, their their quality has not been very good. Um, Now, I should say that I'd be happy to watch the World Cup on either of those services, but uh, there was definitely a very big difference between the two. And one of the things I wondered about in my viewing was, was it worth the upgrade price to pay for 4K service on YouTube TV? You have to pay $10 more, and I wondered if it was worth it. Well, according to SimWave, there might be an easier way to get almost that quality without paying anything. Now, in the round of 16, YouTube TV's 4K coverage averaged 85 and according to SimWave most people would notice a view of five viewing points or more and their HD service only delivered 74, 75 so it definitely would be worth the the upgrade if YouTube was the only option that you had. But if you subscribe to Peacock already then you can get almost the same quality Without uh, without 4K, you can get a SimWave viewer score of 81.2 from the Spanish language coverage that is being delivered through Peacock. And that's just 3.8 behind YouTube TV's 4K average score. So if you don't mind watching the Spanish language coverage, you're just interested in the quality and you have Peacock, maybe you should hop over there to watch the coverage of the last remaining games. And by the way, I'm going to continue to cover through the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the final. At at each of those stages, I'll be writing a piece on the quality experience. So check the Endscreen Media website for those pieces as they come out. Now, there are a couple of other stories I think that were definitely worth paying attention to. Uh, the Roku channel is continuing to increase the number of free linear channels. We're seeing we're still con- seeing a big expansion of the fast linear market. The channel additions that they added include several Christmas music channels from iHeartRadio. They have a the, the Women's Sports Network, and they have more sport with NHL acts action. And a really interesting channel called wild earth that have expert guides looking at animals and interacting with viewers so you definitely want to check that out and one last thing you should definitely check out the in-screen media website because i just published my new state of the us tv market in one page this is updated data to q3 2022 it covers traditional pay tv svod over the air tv vmvpds and the fast market it gives you the number using the household penetration and the growth of all of those five different markets in just one page so check that out under the trackers feature at the Endscreen media website and i'll be talking with you again next time this podcast is a production of end screen Media, all rights reserved.